Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. Samian Dysart is the co-founder and CEO of Think3D Solutions. Prior to launching Think3D in 2016, Tamian spent over 16 years in the financial industry and had a reputation for building and sustaining high-performing cultures and teams, driving engagement and performance up while reducing attrition and the negative impacts of poor organizational culture. Taking his experience and knowledge from creating several high-performing and sustainable cultures, Tamian and his longtime friend and partner formed Think3D Solutions. Think3D Solutions provides coaching, organizational consulting, leadership development, and training to businesses and organizations of all types and sizes with one primary mission, build intentional and sustainable cultures that perform. Tamian firmly believes that a better you is better for everyone and also runs several mentoring and accountability small groups as well as a few small executive coaching groups where he shares his method for personal and professional success with other leaders and young professionals. Outside of the office, he is an active leader and spokesperson in the community. Tamian currently serves on the Sioux Empire Leadership Council, as well as an executive board member to the Greater Sioux Falls Area Chamber of Commerce. Tamian, welcome to the art of seeing clearly. Thank you for spending some time with me today, allowing me to get to know you, allowing the greater listening audience to get to know you and not only what you do, but all right, who's Tamian? How do you work? And uh, I know you're a very transparent person as well on things, yet I think you've got some amazing lessons and leadership things for the greater, not just our community, but national, nationwide for people to know and learn. And so I'm excited to dive into that with you today. So we we like to talk about, you know, not just what you do, but yeah, the person behind that mm-hmm. and what gets you to tick and what's your story. So I'm going to start with that. Like, what is your story? Where are you from originally? Where did you grow up? Tell me a little bit about you, your background. Yes. Yeah, born and raised Sioux Falls, growing up, had some struggles in our family a little bit. It was, what I would always say it's not the worst thing in the world. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad, which is the foundation of who I am, right? I think for most people, everyone, everyone has a story. And in that space, I think that, you know, led to Sioux Falls Roosevelt grad, had a, a child that, at 17 years old. And so started off life kind of a baby having a baby, which really set me on a trajectory of responsibility, which was helpful in a lot of ways. But I think really in that space, I spent, 13, 16 years in kind of finance world. So I got a, when I was an early young father looking for just any job that paid decent and found a calling, if you would, or you can call it call, something I was good at in credit card collections. And that provided a framework for me to really find a niche of something I was good at, talking to people, 
helping people, those type of things, and climb the corporate ladder. How did you fall into that? Looking for $10 an hour. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And a lot of the places that people originally start off careers is someplace like a call center. Yeah. Such a beautiful, there's so much that happens, the microcosm of stuff that happens. You learn a lot about in hindsight, especially like life happens in a call center environment. Like there's so much going on all the time, the dynamics of people, which again, everything in the world, you're dealing with people from different backgrounds. You're talking to people from different economic statuses and struggles and you see so much. And so being able to learn in that environment was really a breeding ground for my success in a lot of ways because it was probably about 25, 26 that I happened upon. I got into some early self-help books early, my early 20s. I hit, you know, depression at 19, just feeling what's the purpose of life and not knowing where to turn was a matter of never to a suicidal level because I had a daughter. So I think that was uh, helpful. But what's the point? And and I think a lot of teenagers, you know, I say late teenagers, young adults, 18, 19, mm-hmm. do that. It's like, what is the point? Why am I doing this? Why am I going to go to school? So that's a, it's interesting to know what you have then done since that. So please continue on. Yeah. And then which you go back to even that real cause of, you know, something we do now in our business. I want to fast forward, but I'll come back to it later. But we ask in a lot of our trainings, how many of you would go back full scale, live the same exact life your parents live, job, marriage, vacations, et cetera. Maybe at best three to 5% of any room worries are hand, at best. So that's the framework that this next generation sees. I know I don't want my parents' job be, or a life, if you would, because I see them just work to pay bills. That's not living, that's existing. Yes. And then you add in, sprinkle on social media, that's you you feel like you're missing out there's such a big world out here and there's so many great things but i don't know how to get there what am i doing am i working just to get a job to do the various things it's all these challenges so i found myself at early 1920 got into church got into found a, a way found a little bit of a path but got into this reading got into self-help books and i really found something in that I was never a reader or hated reading in high school but I found this value in that. And then it was my mid-20s was a very transformative moment. I stumbled upon one of the bad habits I got from my father that ended up being very good was I have impulse buyer, impulse spender. I'm at, oh. I'm at Sam's Club <laughs> and there was two books. The titles were intriguing and, and had no idea who this John C. Maxwell guy was. I love John Maxwell. And, but I'm like, seven ninety nine. dollars Let's throw them in the car because I started to get into this personal development and why not? And that started my leadership journey. That started, I was like, what is this? What is built into these books? Who is this guy? And I grew a love of learning from that. Though I, I traveled the path, I have an MBA in business management. I sell that kind of tongue in cheek that degrees are important in a lot of ways. And obviously you look at specialties for sure you need degrees. But more importantly, it teaches you, it forces you to have to learn. Well, if you can keep that mindset of learning at a certain clip of reading X number of books. And so I fell in love with self-learning and and I've never had a direct mentor, but John was my mentor by way of By way reading. of books. So that changed my trajectory, which helped elevate me to, I ended up being the site director at Capital One. Okay. Again, a lot of lessons. That was really the foundation of our business and what we do I was able to build a very high performing culture and credit card collections. We had customer experience scores better than our customer service department. Like, where do you hear that at? I took our turnover from 33% to 6%. Where do you do that at? And it was 
investing leadership into my people and building a good culture. So I knew I had something there. How did you, you know, you've got John Maxwell books, you have now a degree. Is that where this all came together? Did you have anybody else who was trying to help elevate that with you? Or it's like, hey, you know, it's number one, taking natural talent, but putting a lot of hard work behind it in order to create the success. Yeah, I think, again, I always say if you if someone gives you their willingness and you find a way, there's your path, path to success, right? Again, we're, we're looking at our society way too much hard work. And I don't want to just bash on this next generation because there are some hardworking. Do they work at the same hard work as the previous generation? No, you don't see that same thing. So you have to have a willingness. There's a grit to it, right? Again, study any person of high success that you would admire, you're going to find a commonality of hard work. And grit, consistent work. Consistent determination. But if you sprinkle that then with the right content, the right things, the right mind, really comes down to, I'm a, I'm a huge mindset person, right? The right mindset, anything truly is possible when you mix those two. Now, the when, who knows when, but there's not an if thing at that point. It's going to happen. And so that started to change my pathway along the way. Obviously, there's some key people that, you know, having the right people on your team, developing the right talent, those type of things. But I would even say more importantly than that, and that was a big transition for me in my life, was caring about people at a different clip, right? That was the seedling for me. And I don't even remember where the thought came from, but I, it started to hit my list. I'm going to impact millions of people. I'm going to impact millions of people. That just gives me chills. So I, I like if people could see goosebumps right now, that I, that gave me goosebumps. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to worry about how yet. Mm-hmm. You just knew you wanted to, yep. and that you're going to. Not even that you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You were going to. It's going to happen. Yeah. So from there, like, and then you realize when you put things out in the universe, you don't always know the pathway. I always say our job is to define what you want and why you want it. All right. What what do you want? Why do you want it? Right? It's an important thing. The how, it's none of your business. That's faith. Faith is knowing that the right door is going to open up at the right time. When it happens, that's belief. That's again, do you believe? We, I just sat on this chair with full belief. It was going to hold me up. You don't, there's, I believe that there's certain things. There, when you believe something, there's no question. I don't question those things. Belief is I know it's going to happen. So the when is again, I'm not worried about it. It will happen in, in the right time. Our daily responsibility then is the who. Who are you showing up as? I heard this golden statement some while ago, you can be everything that you will be. I use the example, there's there's studies on amnesia patients. So they take a 24-hour amnesia patient. There was one guy in particular. He They did all these strength measurements on him. This average Joe had 24-hour amnesia. So every day he woke up, had no recollection of who he was. Did these strength measurements on him. And one day they told him, you're a Navy SEAL. And put stuff in his room. Made him believe he was a Navy SEAL. Nothing changed. Average Joe. Nothing changed other than he believed that he was a Navy SEAL. All of his strength measurements went up 20%. Nothing. How? Might he believe that that was thing? So if you fast forward, who is that person you're going to become five years from now? If you could lock in on that, how that person thinks, speaks, talks, acts, if you act, like actors and actresses, they get paid millions of dollars to make us believe that, that there's, they're this character. What if you had a vision of what that future version of you looked like and woke up every day and just acted the role. If you act, you can be everything that you will be. As soon as you can gravitate towards that and start to act like that, speak like that, you will accelerate the when and the how will open up at a, at a faster pace. And so as I started to gain a little seedings of that, Capital One had to close because I, I even had the best performing site. The site closed down. 
went to a, a, a different financial industry here in town and just knew that I was a number. Okay. I was a high performing results again, high intentional culture, but that was the seedling of my business partner, Bonnie and I, we just knew like, if you're going to make a bet, bet on ourselves. And so there was no clear path in that space. I just said, what does it look like? I don't know. I put my girl to bed at 8, 8.30 every night. And I said, just show up at my house every Monday night at nine o'clock. Don't call me. Don't text me. I want to hear you knocking at my door at nine o'clock every Monday. Every Monday for an entire year, Bonnie's showing up and we're going to my home office and we're going to ideating, dreaming of what, what is Think 3D? What is, what does this look like? How does this become a thing? And in that process, something I learned about myself that I didn't know in the time that was there is it said there was three questions that said, do we do this? Because it's a big risk, right? I mean, I'm, I'm the breadwinner of my family. Yes. Any entrepreneur knows. Yes. Not easy path. I asked myself. All the unknown. All the uncertainty. You've got family to take care of and kids and. All that. Bills and. So I asked, is there a need in the marketplace and are we good at it? This is the way that I can help people with which, you know, today with our, our belief at Think 3D is we believe we can better the world by improving the way people live through improving the way people work. And that's where, again, our primary goal right now is helping organizations build intentional culture so people can go home with enough energy to be better parents and be better spouses and be better community leaders because the number one place we spend the most time is work and so many people so many organizations don't come from that so long-winded in there that's but that's kind of how how you got that's kind of how you arrived so what would you tell your 15 year old self (laughs) my 15 year old self will listen to me first (laughs) i ask that question a lot um but I, i in that space of like Dream. Start. I, so many people. I always say we have a disease in our country of no longer dreaming in a country that was built on dreams. People came here from other areas of dreaming. America, land of opportunity. I didn't grow up with dreams because I saw my family struggle. I saw my dad was a dreamer, and it took risk and burned our family and various things happened. So it was instilled in me. Don't, still, still go for this. Go for stable. Stable. Get a good job. Work hard. And again, I did that. And that even said, you're not safe. But also, I would tell yourself, take risks, especially at 15, take risks. Live. Go explore. Do all the things, right? Because it was, it was amazing. Your parents, what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but but in that space, right? Because you think about that and like, and you hear the younger generation, like, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not I'm like, if I had my 20s back, I would do... So much more. Again, when you're talking about, especially now and nowadays, when they're estimating that we're going to start seeing people live to be 120, 140 with modern technology. I'm planning on it. I'm planning on 120 is my number. So I tell, I tell, you know, I have my oldest is now 26. I'm like, you have a century ahead of you. Yes. How fast are you supposed to be where you're going to go? Enjoy the moment. Sit in this thing. You don't have kids yet. Like, go travel, do the stuff, take risks, try things out. Like. Try it out, fail, gain experience, go forward. Yeah. So I would, I would, we will say, fail forward, fail fast. I would do that. I was very risk adverse. And so I was, I played it very safe. And then being a young father at 17, now I have responsibilities. So I just didn't take a lot of risks. And so I know that I truly believe I walked the path that I did so I can relate to people who didn't do those things to say, even at, again, we started our business seven years ago. So even at 36, 37, making a six figure income that, I was really hard to leave, but what's it for? Again, you could have the money if you don't feel fulfillment and, and you're not at, at a job that cares about you as a person who doesn't care about how you go home. So you're a better, have a chance of having a decent marriage or being a good parent. 
take those risks. Find out, find those spaces and the people that that you really want to be with, and, and organizations that believe similar to what you believe in. What's your current definition of success for you? Definition of success for me is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. It's the best definition I've ever heard. And so, the, what I love about that is a precursor to that is you know, success is a worthy ideal pursued persistently with courage. The best part is what is your worthy ideal, and that's the part where. Why you see people hit midlife crisis, right? Like forties and fifties. What's my? What am I doing? What's my? Purpose? Like you did it in nineteen. Yeah. Like what? Why am I? What am I doing this for? And, and you do what the world said. Even if you have the stuff, the house, the boat, the things, aren't I supposed to be happy and fulfilled and successful? Correct. And that's where I truly believe wholeheartedly that the true secret of success is only found through self-discovery. If you don't find out who you are, then how could you ever find out what you really want, right? And in that space of growing and developing, how do you really define that out? So without truly spending time to know what do I want and why you want it, back to that, for the real reasons, not just the thing, you'll be empty at some point. How do you help people, specifically leaders, try to unlock that you know, for themselves? And how are you guiding them in order to try to be their best potential? So specifically, I did all, I, did, I did the seminars, I read the books, I did the stuff, and almost all of it was, here's what I did to be successful. If you do what I do or did, you too will be successful. But if that's not your personality or whatever, that you're going to find yourself empty. So I found myself in 2017, it was uh, a specific moment, actually. I was visiting a friend in Florida. And you get around, most people, you get around water, right? You get real reflective. So I remember yeah. I went, just took a walk. Literally, the figuratively, it's yep. reflective. Yep. <laughs> yes, both ends. And there was 100 days. I happened to just notice there was 100 days left in the year. And I had been really stirring on, like I set a lot of goals. I used to set like 100 goals a year. And I'm hitting 20 to 30 of them, right? But I was like, why am I not hitting more? There was this dissatisfaction stirring up in me. Well, and that, I'm, there was something said, okay, 100 days left in the year. I made a post on social media. I said, what, 100 days left? What if you give 100% every day for 100 days? Like, just, that was just the seedling of this thought. But what birthed out of that was I developed this process called Author of My Life and sort of building these processes and these things that help you through this journey of self-discovery. Because again, if you'll never have true success unless you find out who you are, what you want, what makes you happy, all these different things. So I've built this, I do a little bit of executive coaching. That's not primarily what I do, but again, I built this tool called Author of My Life that helps people walk through this journey, helps them find pathways to what they want. And so one of the first things, I'll give you a seedling of it. The first thing I usually have people do is, is personal inventory, right? So if you own a business, what's the purpose of doing inventory? You just know what you have. There's no emotion to it. I need this, you know, order that. Well, I say, have you ever done it? inventory of your life. And so, and then I have eight categories that's customized. Now, these are eight categories that most people use to go with health, personal relationships, professional relationships, finances, two things. There's zero excuse that over 2,160 hours, you can't move two things forward. And don't start where you want to start. Start with where you know you can move two things forward. Where it's really going to make a difference and you can do it. Yes, where you can do it, but most importantly, because you build the momentum. So I've been doing since I developed this process four years ago, why I could say I'm genuinely living my best life is because I designed it. I took the time. I update this every three months. I update my inventory and I pick at least two things. So there is over 32 things that are now true today that weren't true four years ago. So I'm living my life by design and intention. 
what are a couple of those things that you're really proud of that you'd want to share? Health, health being a bit, health is wealth. We you know, know those things are so getting in the habit of drinking water has been a big one. Again, just building that out. I call another process that bookending my days. I have a very clear morning routine. Now my routine is dialed into two hours and 15 minutes. When I, so I have to then backtrack what time I get up. I get up at four o'clock. That's just what I, I mean, the day needs to be get going yeah. as the CEO of my company by by 6.30. So it's like, okay, four o'clock and you get up and you do this series of things. When I do those things, when I get up and start my day like that, my chances of having a phenomenal day is exponentially higher. Whereas if I oh, get that a little bit more sleep, I'm chasing the rabbit. When we look at you and we're, you know, so many of the people that have heard you speak or been able to be in your presence or your groups or read your book, like they're looking up to you like, this guy is amazing, but you've gotten amazing with all the the hard work and the, mm-hmm. the input you've done. What's some of that stuff you do in that two hours? So I'll, I'll break down my routine. I get up, I got my vitamins, my lemon water, all that type of stuff. One of the first things that's important is, you know, the two most important five minute blocks of your day. First five minutes that's most important day is your five minutes when you're drifting off to sleep because your brain goes into a brainwave state similar to a zero to six year old. So it's your highest opportunity to impress your subconscious, right? Second most important five minutes is when you're waking up because you're coming out of that sleep state. So though I'm I'm not fully conscious, I have I use a YouTube app where I can play a motivational video. So that's what wakes me up. I have my alarm in my kitchen because me and the snooze button are like this. <laughs> you're good friends. I cannot. It's, it's, it, I would say it's like an old college roommate. The more we hang out, nothing good comes from it, right? And so I get, I got, so I, I put my earbuds in, I got positivity coming into me immediately from when I wake up. Then I go downstairs in my house, I do some ab workouts, stuff like that. I do about a 15 minute meditation. In my meditation, I'm visualizing my future. I'm visualizing a perfect day. I'm going through my why, you know, my, my reasons why I do this stuff. Then I uh, hop on the elliptical for about 45 minutes. I read on the elliptical. So I'm killing two birds with one stone. So that's all I can... I knock out about 52 books a year is my average. And so I can just plow through that, take a cold shower, again, cold shower. There's health benefits. I don't even care about that. It's a mindset because it's the, you know, Brian Trace, I know it predates him, but it's eat the frog. If you can do something hard in the morning of taking a cold shower, when no one's watching, no one knows, now when it's two o'clock and I don't feel like doing that thing, you have a little bit of baseline. I do hard things. I can do hard things. And so take my coach out. That's one of my mantras. I continually tell myself, you can do hard things. Something mm-hmm. hard comes up. It's like, you can do hard things. You can do this. Yes, that is yours. Speaking of water, take a swig. So there's my routine in the morning. That I do that. I'm locked and loaded. The concept of really scheduling your day, I know holds true for you too. Mm-hmm. I feel like I agreed. The more you have to do and the more schedule you are to get that done, the more you'll always achieve. Tell me about your philosophy on that and how you use that to help guide people to success. The course, so when I was at Capital One, took a, it was a Stephen Covey course. It was called Focus, Achieving you Your Highest. Do everything that you're going to do without being highly scheduled. You cannot. You cannot. In the world of busy, right? Those were just listening quotations, busy, right? If you had to break your 168 hour weeks down to 15 minute increments, how many 15 minute increments could you find that you could be doing better? And so this course I took, it was a focus, focus, achieving your highest priorities through Stephen Covey. It helped me to learn how to use my planner. So I'm still a physical planner person that, I mean, truly you plan out your day. I have a saying that if you don't learn to master your calendar, again, master use very intentionally. What do you, how to take to master something? Time, effort, consistency, right? If you don't learn to master your calendar, you will never maximize your potential. 
Now, that's the question for each individual to ask. Do you really want to maximize your potential, right? If the answer is yes, you have to learn to be a ninja of your time because down to the 15-minute blocks is so I use a calendar. I, I plan out my week on a Friday. So on a Friday, the last thing I do during the week, I plan out my next week with the, in, the, in this methodology is ABC priorities, right? Most people I've seen, a lot of people have seen that Stephen Covey video where he's trying to have the big rocks and the pebbles mm -hmm. and various things. So I put my A's in there. Those are your meetings, your have-tos, right? Your B's are the important projects that you need to just move forward that may take more than an hour, half hour, whatever the case is. But you, more concentration. Yes. It's time blocking, right? So again, you look at any highly successful person, they are excellent at time blocking. I would put myself as a B minus in time blocking, but still getting better at that because the tendency is those C-level things, those are the easy to-dos. And then that's, that's dopamine for people because they felt productive. You did stuff. Yeah. But what'd you really do? If you just do the easy stuff, or again, our brains want to be distracted. So let me get in my email. So you know you were doing things, what did you get done? What did you move forward? And so I really use that. I, I plan my week out. And then every night before I leave work, I plan the next day, just reevaluate that. So when I come in the morning, I don't have to use a brain cell. I just execute on a pre-planned day, knowing that there's curveballs and various things, but you leave small windows of pockets of space for that so next to nothing ever rattles you and that allows you to get so much done because my time is planned even in there in the evenings i just get how kind of evening i want to have leveraging your time Matt, did anybody else help you with that master scheduling that was just that that, that course had set me down a path where i got into the physical planner mm -hmm. and then it's just been ongoing process myself as internal you do all that yourself mm -hmm. yeah and it's intimacy. I'm intimate with, I own it. I'm intimate. You know, at the end of the day, because I was walking in and there's a lot going on. And that's the part where I don't even, again, I'm not busy. I'm living with intention, right? I'm thriving because one of the unfortunate parts of COVID is when COVID showed the world, you don't have to be busy as soon as look we were, and it, it was still okay when life went back to normal-ish, right? What do we do? We allowed the stuff back on our calendars and we're now just as busy as we were before. And so we lost that. So I use that word intentionally of I'm thriving, I'm not busy. Because if I said yes to it, that means I've allowed it. If I allowed it, then I'm doing what I want if I'm living with intention. And so therefore... And everything brings you joy because you've allowed it in and I'm happy doing these things. Most things bring me joy. Most. Yes. <laughs> As a CEO, you do, you do paperwork and crap stuff you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So... Let's talk a little bit about your book, Elevate. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the quotes in there that uh, I would love your thoughts on is everyone has thoughts. Mm -hmm. Everyone has thoughts, few people think. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that means. I think that's a really interesting statement and mm -hmm. I want to hear what does that mean? So the average person has approximately 60,000 thoughts a day. 60,000, right? And if you backtrack that, you know, I would say almost all of your thoughts up until the age of 18 had nothing to do with you. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose the environments you were in most of the time. You didn't choose, even when you chose your friends, you chose from a group of close, proximate, socioeconomic status, people XYZ, right? So then you take- well, Similar to you. Similar to you, right? And so now here's this 18 year old adult now that already has a framework of your belief system and you have a framework of, of, of how you think and the way you think and those type of things, right? So thoughts are happening with or without you. Try to stop your thoughts. 
You can't. They run 24-7, 365. But when you're sleeping, your brain is still active, right? So your thoughts are always happening. To think is a verb. It takes intentionality. So most people, again, if you ask them, I ask a simple question. Again, I ask, how many people uh, out of the hundreds and maybe thousands of people that people know in their close spheres, how many could they name that are living their best life? Genuinely living their best life. Most people couldn't get to five. And it, it, it's perplexing mm-hmm. in that in a country that we love our freedom, as we should, mm-hmm. we have the freedom to choose who your friends are, who you marry, where you work. And even the number one complaint among South Dakotans is weather. We could choose to move elsewhere, we right? To go somewhere else. We have all these choices, but yet we absolve ourselves with the choice of what do you want? What kind of life do you want to live? That takes thought it takes or it takes thinking it takes intentionality intentionality and that's the part where what we're really at the core of this this is a biological issue because for 99.99 percent of history right our brains were meant to survive and reproduce and so in that probably live till 40 and live to be 40 and so in that space our brains in survival Comfort meant security meant survival, right? So it doesn't want to be uncomfortable. What doesn't want to do the hard thing? So your brain is, it's hard. It takes your, this three pound mass in your head takes about 20% of your entire body's energy to have to think. That's why people, again, we, when we were first launched Think 3D and people, we were at a job fair or went to our uh, conference one time and one lady came up and said, think, oh, who wants to think? And is this the depiction of, that takes energy and effort versus the easy thing is to settle in for good enough and good enough because it's better than my parents had it, or at least it's not this, or it could be worse, which until you're dead, that's always a true statement. So that can be our bar. <laughs> so everyone, your thoughts are happening with or without you. And the most, most people's thoughts are happening to them versus them happening to their thoughts, choosing their thoughts with intention. And so the idea of elevate your thinking, elevate your emotions, this elevate- is, This is huge. I mean, just taking a little bit of what you said, like we get to choose how we want to think. And our thoughts also shouldn't overrule who we are and, you know, make us feel worthy or valued. Mm-hmm. And I think of how many people's histories who allow them, allow themselves and what's happened to them to define them versus allowing, how am I going to think about this and changing that mm-hmm. to say, like, how do I look at this differently to help propel me to success versus keep me in the past? Yeah. Or even the time, think about what is success again to you. Most people ask, we have a training called success mindset. And I ask, how many of you have a personal or custom definition of success? Like when you ask me that question, I'm prepared because I think I teach it. That all the time. Oh, that's easy. (laughs) 90 to 95% of people, and again, this is rooms of doctors, lawyers, bankers, does not matter the room. 90 to 95% of people don't have a personal or custom definition of success. So think about that for a second. The implication of that is if you don't have your own personal or custom definition of what success is to you, Will you ever be successful? No, you can't hit a destination that's not defined. And so by default, then we call success what the world says success is, which is money, power, fame. But yet none of us are naive. We know that to be true, that that by itself is not it. So people then end up in this doldrum, if you would, of just going through the motions. You just get a job. It, it just is what it is. No, it's what you allow it to be because you absolve yourself of the choice. Now, it's not going to be easy, but is it worth it? Because... What's the alternative? Mm. I'm taking notes and I actually can't wait to listen to this again in order to hear some of these in a different fashion 
So I, I really am excited for some of our listeners to do this as well. There's always future. There's always this, what's your goal? I mean, what are you excited about for your possibility for Tamian? Well, the immediacy we announced at our CultureCon conference. In Congratulations it. on that too. Thank yes. you. Yeah, year five, first year in Rapid City. So again, bridging Two across sites. the states, yeah. all that type of stuff. We announced Culture Cove. So Culture Cove, this came away by, I did a, I, I developed this elite mindset retreat and I did my first one in July. And in this elite mindset retreat, I knew it was going to be impactful, but it was transformative in a way that changed. I mean, there was the people had, and these are already like, these are people that went through our leaders of tomorrow program, went through the author of my life mentorship continuation. So these are already high achievers. And then I've built this layer beyond that as elite mindset retreat. So you already have high potential people there and people had breakthroughs beyond that. What that did for me was this, it, it brought to the forefront people need this. They need to get away for a few days. They need to be able to have a space. And so we have this property that we're in the process of, of purchasing right now that'll have a mind, body, spirit component to it. So 10 acres is a former hunting lodge. You got 14 rooms. You'll have people to be able to go out there. Companies bring people out there, all the various things. And you'll be able to, in a small group, have this setting of developing the mind. There's a second building that we're turning into a, a gym space with the sauna again, getting your, what, what I learned at the Elite Mindset Retreat. The entire house was like up at five o'clock in the morning, getting their bodies ready. It had this, this small, small gym and this, it was a house rented out in Rapid City, uh, but preparing their bodies to get their mind prepared for the day of learning and development and growth. And then obviously the spiritual component of connecting to who you are, finding yourself, et cetera. So that, that or slated for probably a May launch date of next year, but I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. Cause even if it's not us leading retreats, just have companies be able to get, they think people need to get away. We're going to allow it for, again, other people that want to do a yoga retreat out there just to have a space that is built intentionally, get away from the norm, 10 acre property that's quiet. So that, that's an immediate thing that, that I'm aiming after. Yeah. How did you come up with 3D and where do you want that company to go? What do you see the you know trajectory for that? So in that, you know, we're at a space now where we started to get seedlings of growing beyond Sioux Falls. COVID happened, you shrink back down. And now that we're at a space of building brand, now we're starting to expand back out national, just brought in an auction, a global client. So in that, so Think 3D, we helping organizations build intentional culture that goes back to this. We believe we can better the world by improving the way people live through improving how people work. In that, you know, we, our vision statement is to redefine the definition and expectation of workplace and community culture, knowing that you have to redefine how we're thinking about workplace culture, that a space where people spend average working professional spends between 50 and 75% of their waking hours at work, going to work, thinking about work, decompressing work, et cetera. And how that ties into the community culture when people are going home less than, I mean, why I would say you want proof at five o'clock go to the grocery store, I look people in the eyes. That's the semblance that zombies you see and people are exhausted. They're taking the energy into the most important culture, which is their home culture. So now you have a generation, the next generation, when you're coming home and too tired, what's the easy thing to do when your kids need your attention? Hop on this tablet. Hop on this Watch thing. TV. Do these things. Be raised by somebody else because I need some me time. Oh, that just aged me right there. Watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> but but in that, that ties together of, of how 
you build a better community. So in the space of Think3 slash, we do, again, a ton of community work. Again, just bridging the gap. Nonprofit, we started with our Leaders of Tomorrow program that we now have 500 leaders that have been, has been put through that. We're building a community impact model that can be replicated anywhere. So next steps with Think3, again, our business is going to grow. It's growing. And we have Think3 University is launching now. So we have an online training development platform so people can get the content and bite sizes pieces that if they can't hire to come out in this space. So there's all kinds of ways to get that. But what I'm excited most about is the community, the holistic community development side of it. Because now we already have a, a friend of mine that wants us to get out to a, another community, but ultimately my big hairy audacious goal is to impact Africa. So the entire continent, probably not, but countries for sure. So this same model, what I'm confident is of what we're doing and how we're doing it here in Sioux Falls, I'm confident it would work in any community from 100,000 to 450,000. I know when you get past half a million, there's probably additional dynamics I haven't thought about, but I can speak confidently of this same model that we're doing here would work in other places. And the beautiful part about leadership is it's replicable, right? You can, if you build leaders, you can find other people to start it and seed it out and do the various things. And so that's kind of a, you know, as Think3D grows with Think3D University, or growing our clientele across this nation right now. And again, we already have seed things in other countries starting to formulate with relationships, truly having a global impact that this is the work that I'll do for the rest of my life. All based, you know, off of this, this seedling that you guys started yep. seven Think3. years ago. And kudos to you and your partner too for beginning that and continuing to grow it. What do you think that 15-year-old would say about the person he would look at in you today? Wow. I wouldn't believe it. There was just zero in that, like my, you know, my, so my dad owned a construction company growing up. And so I was going to take over the construction companies. I would say, fortunately, at this point that it did, his business didn't make it because I go home mentally tired versus physically tired. I got burned with hot tar at 19. That kind of changed my trajectory of physical labor, which was good doing that work, but I didn't know what success even looked like. Again, success wasn't for me. We grew up teetering between upper, lower class, lower, middle class, kind of back and forth in that space. So the life I'm living right now, just at, at 44, I, I wouldn't have believed it. And this is like, I was like, if, if this was a baseball game, I'm in third inning of what I'm going to accomplish. Oh, I love that. Because you've got lots, lots more uh, decades to go yet. Decades you that one twenty eight yet. more. So yeah. That's right which is a lot of time to make change, make change happen. What do you want your children to think about you? If you had to leave a legacy, let's say, unfortunately, like tomorrow was the last day. What do you want them to remember? What's your legacy wanting to be? Live with intention. It's interesting you ask that. I have put a lot of thought to this of, and I, and I get proof of my oldest for Christmas. She gave me a bookmark <laughs> that said, Dad, you're not a father who told me how to live. You lived and let me watch you do it. She's a nurse, so she's not gonna. She doesn't want to take over my business, but she's seeing how I'm living and she's replicating that. My now, actually, my my youngest is her birthday today, so my my now ten year old, six months ago, said, "Dad, will you make sure to teach me how to have a good life?" Oh. Why would she? What would a nine year old ask you that? Oh. Because they see, and I'm working more now than I ever have, but she sees how I come home. I'm energized. I get up. She, she knows I get up at four o'clock in the morning. She sees all that I'm doing, but she sees the impact because the one thing about human beings is if you, whatever you're doing, if it's not tethered to service to our the fellow human in some way, shape or form, you'll find yourself empty. 
And so knowing that finding purpose of helping people in whatever capacity that is, that's the stuff that it's really made of. Now, again, if my younger daughter, my, my middle daughter, again, I think she right now, she wants to be an interior designer at 15, that may change, right? Regardless if they take over my business or not, I'm showing a blueprint of how to live, which is- Which is the same blueprint you're giving to- Companies and things. Because when I asked that question, the second question that I asked, you know, would you live your parents' life? That followed it up with a harder hitting question, would your kids sign up to live your life in less than 35% raised hand? And I tell this example, there was a gentleman that used to work at Burger King, come to find out his name was Phil. He used to work at Burger King on, on Minnesota and Russell. Mm-hmm. One of the most obnoxiously positive people at six o'clock in the morning, like I ain't got my coffee or my croissant. How are you so positive? But what I said, I tell the story about Phil is that I promise if he had a little boy, I bet you his son wants to grow up and work at Burger King. Because if you have, it was a type of positivity you don't fake. And so if you saw your dad coming home in that space, I asked that question. We have clients, six, we've been in rooms of 106 figure earning doctors, three to 5% raised their hand to saying, my kids want my life. So it's, what that says is, it's very little to, with what you do for a living, it's how you do it. And so when you have culture, when you have personal development, when you have a vision and you're on that progressive realization of that worthy ideal, that's the greatest gift you can give your kids in the world is being the be- next best version of yourself because they see that in you. And so whether they choose the same profession or not, that that means very little. Mm-hmm. How do you live? How do you help people? How do you interact? How do you take care of yourself? No matter what industry they end up being, it's going to be the same baseline. Same baseline. Same baseline for them. On that, Tamian, I want to respect the fact that you've got a little girl to get home to for a birthday. Yeah. And so thank you so much for spending time with me today. And this has been, I mean, I knew I was going to love this interview with you and there's been nothing that's proven me wrong. I can't wait for our listeners to hear it as well. And how do you be the author of your own life? And I think most of us think that life happens to us versus us making life happen for us. And thank you for helping us see your art of seeing clearly and helping the rest of us try to improve ourselves and our value and our own worth. Yeah, 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 thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.